and welcome to this episode of Sports Communities Doing Sport Differently podcast series. I'm Steve Pallas, founder and CEO of Sports Community. As I say each episode, this podcast has only been made possible through our partnership with Vic Health, and we thank them so much for the opportunity to share the stories and successes of sports clubs who are doing sport differently. Just quickly by way of background, Vic Health and in partnership with Latrobe University identified six key principles for designing and delivering sports-based programs for less active people. So each, each week we talk with a club who are putting those principles into practice and getting resu- amazing results in the process. In today's podcast, I'm joined by Ryan Evans, president of the Boysdale Braggalon Football Netball Club and Michelle Harris, who is the senior consultant at Gipsport. Together, they will tell the story of, of how by adding a women's and youth football team to the Boysdale Braggalon Football Netball Club, not only did they gain more members and participants, but they changed their club in so many other positive ways. So instead of me telling you their story, let's get straight into my interview with Ryan Evans and Michelle Harris. Great to be here, Steve. Yeah, fantastic to join you. Yeah, Michelle, Gipsport. Now, many of our, our viewers wouldn't know know of the Gipsport and the wonderful work that it does. So do you want to give us a little bit of a background on uh, Gipsport? Yeah, sure. So um, we live in country Victoria in Gippsland and we're the regional sports assembly and we cover an area of six local government areas and we have a team of staff that work in a range of ways to support community sporting clubs, increase physical activity, work in health promotion and um, really anything we can do to help um, the community be strong and um, healthy. Fantastic. And, and regional sports assemblies are actually unique to Victoria. So, and they're a great initiative of, in, in Victorian regional sport. And, and I guess one of the beneficiaries, Ryan, is, is the Boysdale Braggalon um, football netball. So you might want to just give us a bit of a, a where in the country is that located? Yeah, sure. I'm sure not many of the uh, listeners today would probably heard of either Boysdale or Brygalong. They're very, two very small regional towns in Gippsland. Uh, probably the largest uh, towns near us are Mafra and Sale. Um, so we draw players from those towns as well. But yeah, we, we, we're down in, in East Gippsland parts of the world. The the clubs may be small, the towns may be sto- small, but the story of, of your journey uh, an evolution over the last couple of years is extraordinary. And I, I really look forward to, to telling that or, or listening to, to you tell that story. And it starts with, it's not about the creation of a women's football team, but it starts with the, the creation of a women's football team. You want to give us a little bit of background as to why you started it and the journey it started to take you on? Yeah, sure. It's, it's a bit of a new venture that the women's teams have actually got both the women's team and the youth girls team. And we've had them since 2018. And they've certainly been some of the best things that have happened to the club for us in recent times. It uh, started the catalyst, I guess, was one of our uh, players or one of our netball players and junior footballers came to us, young Maddie, and asked at our, one of our committee meetings if we'd consider getting uh, youth girls and women's team up and running. 
it was um, probably a natural progression, really, uh, with Boysdale and Brygalon being quite small community areas, almost through necessity, our girls have been encouraged to play football. So we've had a lot of young girls come through playing junior football. And afterwards, there hasn't really been many options available to them, except for maybe a little bit of school uh, football. Um, so yeah, when Maddie came into the committee meeting, we jumped at the chance, um, knowing we had somebody keen and she talked about a few other girls she'd bring with her. And, and we had some really good people uh, on, our, on our committee. Um, Belinda Marshall and, and Kenny Marshall took on the roles of um, the team's manager and also the, the football development manager and coach for that year. And yeah, before we knew it, we had uh, both the women's team and youth girls team up and running. So what competitions, because my understanding is that they're, they're the only women's and youth teams in the in your shire. Uh, is that That's true? right, yeah. So um, Gippsland's a really wide area, um, yep. so it does cover a lot of distance. So there is a lot of travel involved with our games. We're the only team based in the Wellington Shire, but there are other teams around different LGAs within Gippsland. So mm -hmm. um, we do travel, you know, there are some very long journeys down to Nyora and Bunyip and a few other locations. But um, yeah, we've got, we, it has changed a bit over time, but there's normally about six teams in the first two years participating. We're ho hoping those teams will, will extend in number over the next couple of years. So, Michelle, just generally through the Gippsland area, um, we've seen an, an explosion over the last, say, five years of, of of women and girls playing traditional male sports, whether it's the, the rugby's or AFL's, soccer's, et cetera. Um, are you seeing that across the board in Gippsland or or, or it's still uh, Ryan's Club's still just a, a leader, an early leader in that space at the moment? And there certainly was an explosion of um, women playing football. Um, there was huge growth in a very short amount of time. Um, we also have very strong levels of um, soccer participation right through youth girls to senior levels as well. Um, we have a women's only soccer club actually that commenced a few years back in the city. Um, we've seen a really um, strong increase in golf participation as well. A lot of the um, local golf clubs are really working or have been working with us on um, new programs to get women involved and mm. um, governance changes. So I think clubs like bowls and also golf as well, um, really setting up their constitutions and governance structures to ensure there's more women on their boards and committees. Um, and I think this doing sport differently approach and a lot of the social sport options really create that fun, supportive environment for clubs to really create um, a really supportive environment for all people to try sport. And um, that's flowing through to the older age groups. Unfortunately, 2020 hasn't been fantastic mm. for sport participation, um, but it's been fantastic to see sport getting going again and um, in particular, we've noticed an increase in girls' cricket already this season, um, which is fantastic to see. Um, so lots of opportunities for women and girls to play sport. How you communicate that is really important, and we're here to support that um, through the different levels of governance and things like that that clubs might need to do as well. I'll come back to the communication as we go through the discussion, but I'll come back to the point that you raised, which is the governance side of it and the leadership side. So when young Maddie and came to the committee the first time, what was the number of females that you had on the committee at that stage, Ryan? We're lucky we've always been in a position that we've had um, quite a few females attracted to the committee. We've actually normally been fairly even split over recent years. If you go back to maybe the, the late um, turn of the decade or even uh, in the 2000s, it's probably more generalistic males. We have had plenty of females. 
around the year that the two um, female teams came in, I did change the committee structure though, and we brought in an executive committee because one thing I've found with some clubs that have brought in teams or female teams, they haven't had the support structure to make sure that they're being considered with all club decision making. So I brought in an executive committee, which consisted of myself as a president, the secretary and a treasurer. And then we also had three vice presidents who were also managers of their respective departments. So we had a men's football manager, a women's football manager and a netball manager. And we now have an executive of um, three males, three females, plus an even split of uh, male and female members on a general committee. So when the when the the girls came to the committee and said we'd like to start a football team, any negativity from the committee, any pushback, any challenges, any barriers, any walls that went up, or is it just the fact that you've got that 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 impetus? Okay, let's go with it. I think we had the right people. There was probably concerns a little bit in terms of the extra support that would be required with the women's games being played on Sundays. It obviously put a little bit more work on our, you know, our volunteers that they had to do a bit more, but it also just meant we had to go tap on a few people's shoulders. And so any any fears were very quickly diminished as we progressed and got things up and running. So there's nothing too much to worry about. And I guess we had a very proactive committee. So we had people really keen to push it and see it through. Um, and I was really keen to, to see the women's teams up and running. So um, I guess we're in a fortunate position um, that we, you know, we embraced it as soon as it came in and it, and it all came together in a very short process. Well, when you say you embraced it, what I find just inspiring about the story was it wasn't, you just didn't embrace the team. You immediately elevated the team to be equal within the club. So you, you, you brought, created opportunities for them to be seen in the same eyes and the same level of importance as the the men's team who might have been around for in their respective guises for for a century or so previously. Yeah, about that time period too. We're celebrating uh, 50 year premierships and all kinds of things uh, next season. So yeah, the, the men's teams had been around for a while, but I think it's really important to acknowledge all your participants in a club and how they do. And that's why, um, no, the first year was also a learning process for us that we were, Lucky we had really good support. So the, the games, particularly when we had the dual youth girl game followed by the women's games, were fairly well attended when they played at home, uh, our home venue at Boysdale. Um, it was just, I guess we've got a really inclusive community at uh, Briagalong, uh, as well as at Mafra, uh, where we draw many players from. So we actually had pretty good crowds. A little bit harder when you're travelling to Nyora and Bunyip Farm, so you yeah, have yeah. quite as much support there. But certainly, I think um, by the time the grand final uh, came around, um, yeah, AFL Gibson, I think, was certainly surprised about the number of supporters we were able to get there and buses and um, really good. So I think from that side of um, the support was there initially. It was probably over the following year um, and, and the, the pre-season afterwards, we realised probably some gaps that needed fixing. And, and the, probably the biggest gap was the, the girls trained on different nights and they played on different days than the rest of the club. So there seemed to be a bit of a gap. So we needed to put a few things in process to make sure that those gaps were made so that they could feel more inclusive at Boys Day Broke Along. So we did a few things like uh, um, scheduling a club launch event. So before the season started, we got all our teams and, and members together to celebrate and all the teams and acknowledge who was going to be coaches and, and things like that. We, we ensure our, our red and black ball, which is held every year, was held on a Saturday night when there was no women's football the next day on a Sunday. And we have joint 
boat counts and, and presentation nights. Probably the biggest change was actually suggested by our men's senior coach at the time, which, which I think has worked really well, is we now actually have our male and our female teams training on the Oval together on Tuesday nights. So we'll have our youth girls and our under-17 boys training together. They, they do the warm-ups together and maybe a drill or two, and then they work around each other on the ground. It's the same with our, our male and, and our female um, our senior teams. So they'll start off on the ground together. Um, they're to get to, they've got to know each other um, through warm-ups and things like that. So I think hopefully, you know, the women have felt more embraced by the club to be involved um, with the club. And so we've actually started to see them attend a lot more social events, you know, get involved with much more of the, the stuff that happens, you know, alongside the club as well. And Michelle, that's so important. We see when, well, new teams are added. It doesn't matter or new teams or new formats, if barefoot bowls and bowls, as an example, uh, are added to clubs. They're kind of often bolted on and, and, and left to their own guises, but it's so important to embrace them as into the team and into the culture and into the the operations of the club, isn't it? Yeah, absolutely. And a lot of the club support work that Gipsport does one-to-one with the clubs is that often there's really fantastic intention of creating an inclusive and supportive environment for women and girls, but they're not exactly sure how to go about it. So, so the Quick Wins Checklist is a really great tool that we've used over the last few years um, that we sit down with clubs and ask them questions about how they consider, um, how they recognise the players in their club. So um, Brian mentioned presentation nights. One of the key things that comes up is when you walk into a clubhouse and you see only um, premiership boards or um, memorabilia for the men's from only the men's teams. And that can be a real simple way to, I guess, bring about gender equality in the club is showcasing some of the women also. Um, So real practical on the ground suggestions. It might also be exactly what um, Ryan mentioned as well is um, bringing family nights into your club. So instead of having a male-dominated event of um, team selections, you might turn it into a family night and actually read out the netball teams or the women's football teams at the same time and um, not only does that help the income for the club, which is um, selling more meals and things like that, it creates an enormous community connection with your, your um, local town where you live and brings more people in and more members and support. So there's a lot of positive um, news stories that can come out of being more inclusive. The other one I really like is, um, from a governance perspective, is diversity on your board. Yeah. If you can include some young people or some um, women you can broaden out the thinking involved in your club and you might have um, some new solutions to problems that you might have been facing or some new ideas for sponsors or um, even um, more fun ways to get the community connected. It's just, it's a great way to be and we're all struggling to find volunteers. So if you can, you know, women are 50% of the population. So if you can recruit some women to your board, not only will you get some awesome new ideas, but you have some more volunteers as well. Oh, unquestionably, it's never made any sense to me that 50% of the population haven't been, you know, you know treated differently for, for whatever reason. And it does go both ways. I mean, I've spent my life around netball clubs with three daughters and 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 have, have seen it the other way. Um, but but empowering women to to 
have the confidence to go onto the leadership positions with into clubs is becoming a real um, a real focus. And Gibbs Sports created a really cool program to facilitate that. Do you want to just give us a, a little bit of background to the the changing Gibbs Sport game? Um, I'm sorry, Gibbs Sport, Gibbs Land game uh, program. Yeah, we are. Um really um, lucky here in Gippsland that we've received a lot of support through Vic Health and Change Our Game to develop our um, women's programs. So um, we have a couple of ways that we do that. So we try, we tend to think of our women's leadership program. Um, so it's changing Gippsland's game. So we have a group of 55 women from across Gippsland meeting um, bi-monthly and are doing professional development activities, governance training and networking to bring about, um, I guess, enhanced skill and confidence to take on board positions or coaching roles or official um, promotions, perhaps them to step up to that next level of competition. And we've found that fantastic in terms of a supportive environment to give women or empower women to take that step up to perhaps a president's role or challenging the way things have always been done and thinking outside the square. So um, that's absolutely fantastic from a women's leadership point of view. And the other way we like to increase um, physical activity participation is through our Gippy Girls Can program. So we've been lucky enough to receive support to, I guess, boost up the This Girl Can Vic campaign in Gippsland. So we um, have our own social media and marketing campaign that celebrates women trying a whole range of sports or physical activity or hiking or different um, different ways throughout a Gippsland community. And it's been absolutely huge success with over 2,000 followers and um, women who have never been active taking up new types of um, programs, just meeting up with our staff or meeting other people in the community to um, give support a try. It's just um, been really fantastic to see. Oh, unquestionably, I think it's a great program. And Ryan, your club, you've got 50% gender representation on the board and on the executive now at, at your club? That's right, we do. Um, as I mentioned before, we've, we've always been encouraged women to get in there and take leadership roles, um, particularly um, I've often worked with women. Uh, when I was a secondary teacher, there were, I think 75% of my staff members that I got on work with were all um, female. So I've seen females thrive with leadership. So um, we've got a couple of young girls, uh, Ali and Rachel Weatherly, who have just taken on netball uh, management positions as well as being on the committee. And um, they've already you know, taken onus on taking leadership of, and they're running a, um, an exercise where they're upgrading the netball department. So yeah, we certainly promote as much as we can. Fantastic. And, and Michelle mentioned uh, just the, the Gibbsport quick wins con checklist. And so you use the checklist within your club and what changes did, did you make as a result of using that the, the Gip Sport checklist in your club? Yeah, that's right. We actually found the checklist really um, helpful. We, we, we knew we had put a few really good support structures in place, but it actually um, helped us identify some gaps. And, and Michelle just mentioned imagery and it is so important how you present your club. Um, if you go to our Facebook, book page, for instance, the first image you'll see of our club is is one player represented from each of our teams, so yeah. from our senior male and junior male and female team. So everybody's there, um, equal standing, that's who we represent as a club. So it's those kind of pictures. It's also, as you mentioned, around the club rooms, um, we actually updated all our 
board. So we actually, we've had years of history. We've all put onto the one board and moved to us. We've added a different board in a, a similar prominent position where it, it lists all the women's teams, the netball team. So um, how we put that around the club, the flags have been rearranged, the, the photos that have gone up on the wall. It's just not celebrating the big premiership male win from 20 years ago. It's, uh, it's everything's up there equally. And our female teams have actually had a bit of success in their first two years going through as uh, undefeated premiers and champions. So we're probably a bit too strong at the moment, but definitely needs to be recognised. Um, and the other thing was also when we talk about imagery is we've spent um, COVID creating football cards. So um, all our male and female players have all got their own card or anyone we had a photo of. And we're actually going to print those cards out. And as the junior season starts, we're going to put cards into our show bags for our junior club. So they'll actually have cards of you know male and female players and hopefully aspire um, to get into our senior teams at some stage. So your yeah, image really, really been helpful speaking to get sport. And the other thing, was I guess I hadn't considered it as as a bloke. Um, you know, some of the factors that contribute to whether women can get to training and, and what might affect their ability to, to get to games and and kids is a really big yep. one because quite often, yeah, women um, ha have that that role of, uh, and blokes are taking a bigger hand at this sometimes now too. But um, they often have children in tow, and if you don't have the facilities to support um, women bringing um, and men bringing children to games, and it makes it really difficult. So we kind of identified that using the checklist. And, and since then, we've actually created better play spaces. So fencing to keep kids safe. We've um, added a kitchenette to the to the netball rooms where you know, there's a microwave to warm up babies' bottles and anything else that, that might need. So, so hopefully we've created an environment which is you know, more accepting to get more kids there so that women can actually get to more trainings and games. Yeah, fantastic. And what was the what was the effect for the for the players, the female players, when when the club did make these significant changes to the aesthetics? You know, the photos and the flags and the honour boards. Did they care? It's, I believe so. It's been one of those, as we mentioned before, 2020 has been a really funny year. So we only got those couple of trainings in, but we've, we've definitely had positive feedback from, from those that have come into the rooms. We're, quite, we're certainly looking forward to unveiling um, a lot of this in, in the coming months with pre-season training starting up um, due to the COVID restrictions being relaxed a bit. But yeah, certainly, you know, I've, um, I've received positive, positive feedback. Um, they need to be updated anyway, I think, when you, when you have that equal representation around the club. So we're probably at a stage where we're unveiling them. So in the next couple of months. So you're certainly looking uh, forward to that. And one topic or one initiative that you created, if you would just share the story or the backstory as to why you created uh, your pride round uh, with a, with a, uh, one of the, one of your competitor clubs, it's yeah. a fantastic story. Yeah, so we pride ourselves in being an inclusive club, and, and I can't take any credit for this one. We've got a really good um, female football manager in Belinda Marshall and a few um, girls that work with her. And and after um, some of our players received some homophobic remarks on the football field, one of our games, we needed to show our support to make sure that we didn't tolerate that kind of thing. Uh, even if it wasn't our own players doing it, we needed to show that it just simply wasn't on it. And we contacted that club and to their, their credit, they took it on board as well. And they understood um, and they supported it wholeheartedly as well. So the next time we came about, um, we actually both teams, uh, we played a pride rounds. So we had jumpers made up. We had people to talk about, you know, the importance of being inclusive, regardless of your, your gender identity or, or your sexual orientation, that, that everyone you know, needs to be inclusive. And I think it was probably a really good start. It was something um, I know 
other leagues have done, men's leagues, but it's probably, I think, uh, as a club, we felt that we needed to get something up and running to look, to do, make sure we support um, all of our players. And, and as I said, to the credit of the other team too, it was really good to get them on board as well. Um, you know, not acknowledge the behaviour that had happened and deal with it, and then to obviously um, promote positive um, outcomes going forward. It's just fantastic, Ryan, and, and your club should be congratulated. Excuse my phone coming off. Congratulated that it turned a, a negative experience into a, a a legacy of a positive positive messaging from your club. But Michelle, the the experiences of the LGBTIQ community in sport hasn't always been one of feeling of of safety and and that they can participate in sport is it and and we're seeing that now change slowly over time yeah i guess the 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 pride round is a a great example of how community sport can be utilized to bring awareness to particular issues that might exist in in the community and really in a positive way showcase how everyone can be welcomed and supported in a club environment um, and we're really lucky here at Gibbsport that we have a really um, strong partnership with a range of stakeholders, whether it be state sporting associations, Pride Cup, um, Changyao Game, um, the, um, and a range of other providers, Gippsland Women's Health. Um, and we really like to, I guess, highlight these opportunities. So something similar we're doing at the moment is um, Orange Round and the highlighting the 16 days of activism to improve gender equality in the local community. And unfortunately we have to do that mainly through social media in 2020, but in the past we've um, done it through a partnership with AFL and Netball Victoria and other organisations. So that's another way we've done um, awareness raising in the community and really helps to make that link between gender equality um, in sport and in the community and how we can hopefully prevent men's violence against women down the track or at least create a healthy, healthier community. Absolutely. Absolutely. If we start to cast our mind forward to um, clubs that are listening and, and thinking, yeah, it's time for us to to create opportunities for for women to participate or, or different groups within their community um, or to just bring more formats. So to their competitive formats that they might be just be solely offering, such as the social formats. When the clubs contact you and wanting to go down this journey, where do you start? Where do you start them off? Yeah, so in the last two years, we actually completed um, thirty-eight quick quick wins checklists, um, and a, quite a few of those were local soccer clubs. And it's been really fantastic to see um, since the easing of restrictions. Unfortunately, soccer is predominantly a winter sport. Um, mm. But since um, we've been able to get going again, um, we've been able to see um, some girls-only youth um, soccer programs, which are club-led, which is absolutely fantastic. And we've also seen um, two local soccer associations get together and plan out a youth girls soccer competition, which is a completely different format in partnership and that is a really great outcome of the Quick Wins Checklist and the work that we've done with Gipsport um, with soccer over the years in partnership with Football Victoria. So um, I think putting the information out there, um, a checklist can help. Obviously, one-to-one -one club support. So when we go and meet with clubs face-to-face -face and um, work with them, we can help identify opportunities. 
um, and support those with social sport offerings um, if we're able to. And but I think clubs are really being proactive in this space too, that they see that they would like to see more women and girls playing sport in their clubs and looking for new ways to create that safe, welcoming, easy program. Because I guess clubs are often worried they won't have enough players to make yes. it viable. Yep. So, you know, we need 11 people to play a side, but there's actually great versions of the game that you can create with small numbers. And yes. you just start small, make it fun, and then they'll share the good news stories with their friends and then bring more people along. And um, so just start off in any way that you can. And before you know it, you'll end up with a women's team like Boisdale and um, it's a great success story. And it, it, it just starts with a few people creating, I guess, having the idea, creating the program, reaching out for help through Gipsport and their State Sporting Association and other organisations and just say, let's give it a try. And um, I think even more now than ever is a COVID, COVID cliche, I suppose, is that people want to return to being active, more healthy, connecting with their community, um, supporting their community sporting clubs that have had a really tough year. So I think we'll build on that. And, and really see the benefits um, through 2021 of more people playing sport and a more equal playing field. Yeah, and, and it only takes one, is what you said. And, and Ryan, you 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 just had a couple of couple of junior players approach the committee, and and now look what's happened. I'll ask you with the benefit of, benefit of hindsight, what's the difference in your club now than what it was before you had the women's uh, the women's teams or the women's and youth teams? Probably less blokey, if you know what I mean. It's good to have a wide range of people involved with the club. I think football in particular has been traditionally um, a blokey environment. Um, it has slowly changed over the years, particularly with the addition of netball teams coming in to make them football netball clubs. But it's probably more supportive of, of the male game a lot of the time, depending on the club. I think we've just had a lot more people coming in the club, lots of new faces. Um, you know, you, ha you have a club and you tend to be similar faces every year, but we've had a wide range of people come in. And it's not just um, the women's team. We've actually had additional um, sponsors who want to support the women's team. So we've had you know, a wide range of people come in. And, and even the Pride game, um, people I hadn't seen uh, at the club before. It was, it was wonderful to welcome in a whole lot of more people and create an environment which we think is you know suitable for everyone coming in. And what we now know with the benefit of hindsight and I'm going to talk generally because I can't talk for your club, but less blokey doesn't mean that it's a worse experience for the blokes that were playing, does it? No, it, not at all. Yeah, it's much more positive experience more generally, isn't it? It is. And I said, uh, people are more comfortable bringing their families there. So when I say less blokey, blokes have wives, they have sisters, they have daughters. And so if they feel comfortable bringing them into the club, it's a positive experience. So uh, get to stay less blokey, yeah, exactly, you can, is a, is, can be a really good thing. Yeah, so so we want to make sure that, and this is the real positive coming out of the the experience, is that yes, they're less blokey. We're moving away from that that blokey men's club sort of culture, but it's actually improving the experience for for the men. The men and the existing participants they they're not pushing back, and they're not being reduced in the value that they're getting from their club. It's actually being enhanced by engaging all of the community in the club. And that's that's such a wonderful message that's come out of this from, from my perspective, Ryan. So thank you so much for sharing your, your journey, your knowledge and your experience. 
Yeah, no problems. I said it's, it's been a real positive for the club and I encourage anyone listening today, if they don't have a women's team, if they don't have a junior girls team, get them, get them up and running. Like, it, it could be a really positive experience for your club. And as I said, it'll bring more people through the gates. It'll actually create an environment which is inclusive for all and really good for your club and it'll help with your club's sustainability going forward. So yeah, I really encourage clubs to yeah, do what they can to get female teams up and running. Fantastic. And Michelle, the Gibbs Sport website, if they want to find out more information about Gibbs Sport, the programs that you're running, the resources that you've got in the checklist, where can they go to get access to those, those great resources? Yeah, absolutely. So www.gibbsport.com.au and you'll find information about the regional sport program, um, including the Quick Wins checklist on there. You'll also find information about our women's leadership program, Changing Gippsland's Game. And Gippy Girls Can actually has its own website and social media pages as well. So um, jump on board there. And there is some, in addition to what Gippsport offers, there's also some fantastic resources in a, from a range of places in creating um, women and girls programs. Um, so we can point you in the right direction for those, or um, you can just search them up as well, um, State Sporting Association or National Sporting Association and places like that. So yeah. Don't be too scared, reach out and um, there'll be lots of people around who will be willing to support you in your journey. And remember, it only takes one person to start the start the ball rolling. So Michelle Harris, Senior Sports Consultant at, at, uh, at Gibbs Sport and Ryan Evans, President of the Boysdale Braggalon Football Netball Club. Thank you so much for being part of our sports community. Well, I hope you enjoyed that interview with Ryan Evans and Michelle Harris talking about the Boysdale Braggalon Football Netball Club. There were so many things that volunteers can take away from this interview and implement at their own club. But for me, the major points were it only takes one person to make major change in a club. In this, in this case... Two junior players approached the committee and asked if they could create a female or create female football opportunities. Not only were they successful, but in the process, they actually changed the very nature and culture of the club. So often we see when clubs are adding new teams or formats, they simply try to bolt them on to the existing way the club operates. But Boysdale Boragalon Football Netball Club did the exact opposite. They sought to make the teams immediately equal and include everybody equally in club activities. Not always an easy task, given the men's team had been around for well over 50 years. They introduced strategies to bring the club together, such as the men's and women's teams starting their training night training sessions on a Tuesday night together doing the warm-up together, then going their respective ways and then doing the warm-down together. Doing so many club activities together, such as jumper presentations, making sure they scheduled the mid-season ball at a time that was convenient to both groups of players, changing the honour boards to ensure that women's teams and the youth teams were equally and rep equally represented were all really, really powerful steps to say we respect you and we really include you in our club. So adding the women's and youth female teams changed the Boysdale Braggalong Football Netball Club. There's now more people staying longer, 
doing more, attracting new sponsors. Now, while the club has always had strong female representation on its committee, it now has female 50-50 men's and women female representation on their committee and on their executive committee. For me, though, one of the most powerful learnings from the discussion with Ryan and Michelle was, was where they told the story of how the club were able to deal with a really negative situation, and that was when there was homophobic comments made during the women's football game. Not only did the club take the very positive step of supporting their players by calling out this negative behaviour, contacting the opposition club, which is normally where the matter could end, or it may be reported to the league and tribunal and mediation processes might commence. But in this case, what both clubs did was come together and created a pride round where they could both show their commitment to ensuring that everybody feels welcome, safe and included at their clubs. Not only did the, the, did the club deal really, really well with a negative situation, but they created a very powerful statement and a legacy that will lead them well into the future and could potentially lead to the Football League actually creating a pride round, not just two clubs playing. I thought that was just a magnificent response to a very, very negative situation. So many learnings we can take away from it. Finally, as I do every podcast, I would like to thank our wonderful sports community members. It's These resources are only made possible by the support we get from our members. So if you're not a member, we would love for you to become a member and help us to continue to make it easier for sports club volunteers. So check out our website, www.sportscommunity.com.au and click on the membership tab and see how you can help us continue to make our great resources and podcasts for sports club volunteers. If you're a sports club volunteer or you help sports club volunteers or you know of a volunteer that needs help, please check out our website, sportscommunity.com.au with heaps of information, all designed to make it easier for sports club volunteers to run their club. So until then, until the next episode, I'm Steve Pallas. Thank you so much for being part of our sports community. Music.